Right now, Scott, will you come up? Just welcome my friend, Scott McNamara. Um, yeah, let's welcome him. I'm just going to pray for him really quick, all right? So Scott is from Coleraine, Ireland. Did you guys know that's a place? <laughs> Coleraine, Ireland. That's the original. We're just the copy. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to tell you that. A guy from Ireland moved to the States and started this colony and ended up becoming Coleraine Township. So, Father, we bless Scott. Thank you for him. We just receive his ministry this morning. We say we want everything you have for us from him. And I pray you just fill him and really anoint his words. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning. How's everybody feeling? Isn't it a joy to get to come and spend time together worshiping Jesus, huh? Come on. I feel very blessed. You know, I was at the first service and uh, shared some stories, shared some things, and man, God just, God just kind of keeps rocking me when I, you know, I mean, obviously I know these things because I've been in the middle of it, but man, every time I, I relay it, the goodness of God, it just touches me again and again. It's just his, his grace, his, his mercy, it's... It's amazing. It's incredible, isn't it? You know, easily we can forget how we got saved. You know, if you've been a believer for a long time, it's easy to forget it and think, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'm just getting on with my life. But I try and have a posture where every week I remember, I try and remember how it felt to be rescued. I like to remember the place that I was in before the grace of God scooped me up and, and wrapped me in his arms. I think it's important. I think it keeps a healthy perspective when we're sharing the gospel and when we're just living around other people who don't know him. I think it's healthy to remember where we came from because it's only by the grace of God that we're sat in this room and we're not out there hopeless like other people. Would you agree? So Holy Spirit, I thank you. Uh, thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you for the cross. Lord, it never tires. I, I love the cross. I love what you did for us and I'm just so thankful, Lord. I just have such a thankful heart this morning for the cross. I don't deserve to be saved. Lord, I was a filthy sinner, but you made me clean. And I just thank you, Jesus, that the blood of Jesus makes us all clean. And I just want to exalt you, Lord, uh, in this place. I just want to say, Jesus, that I love you. Lord, that everything that I have, I give to you. Lord, all that I am, I live for you, Lord. I love you with all that I am. And I pray, Jesus, this morning that there would be an air of thankfulness in this room as we hear what you have done in people's lives. I pray that we would just, as something inside of us would rise up and say, God, I thank you for rescuing me. Thank you that I'm here and every day I get to live in this relationship. So we praise you and Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would just uh, saturate this place with your presence and you would remind us once again of the, the grace of our God. We love you, Lord. We exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, so I'm just going to dive on in. But let me just say, first off, I just want to say thank you for having me. I've been so blessed this past few days. I have uh, some beautiful hosts who you might know sitting over here in the corner. Uh, <laughs> there might be familiar faces to you. Uh, you know, these guys, everyone just made me feel so welcome. Me and Wilson, we got to hang out all day yesterday, and that was just so great, you know, just, uh, just being around him and seeing what the Lord has put on him, and he's got such a spark. And, you know, as much as I rubbed off on him, he rubbed off on me. So I felt so blessed being here. And I'm just still kind of baffled. 
baffled by this whole cold rain thing. I've got to be honest, I can't get my head around it. I'm still trying to process it because my wife's messaging me from Coleraine. She sat in church in Coleraine and I'm like, well, I'm here at church in Coleraine. And I'm like, but we're not together. And it's kind of weird, but you know what I mean? It's, it's special. I've never been in another place with the same name before. So I, I, what I really want to do is just kind of dive straight on in and uh, give away what the Lord has given to me, to you guys. Is that cool? Okay. In 2014, I was employed to be a full-time evangelist for Causeway Coast Vineyard Church in Coleraine. And I didn't really know how to be a full-time evangelist, if I'm honest. I just knew that, you know, sometimes I would share Jesus and sometimes people would get saved. I didn't really know what I was doing. I would come away more often than not thinking, I wish I had said that. I wish I had done that. If I'm honest, I didn't know how to get to where I was trying to get to. And then the Holy Spirit stepped in. But what was really interesting is that the Holy Spirit stepped in after I stepped out. And I found that really interesting. It wasn't in my prayer closet that the Holy Spirit gave me what I needed to get the job done. It was actually when I was out there in the marketplace. Because, you know, often, if anyone's seen Finger of God too, you know, I I mention this quote on it. But I say that we go to church and we go to conferences and we say, God, give us more power and we'll go. But he says, no, you go and I'll give you more. Because it's in the going that we receive. And I found that when I stepped out, the Holy Spirit stepped in. And he gave me something that changed my life. This is how it began. He said to me, the Holy Spirit said, Scott, look around. I want you to look around the town and imagine all the people are like apples on a tree. Okay, so I want you just to mentally go there with me for a moment. I want you to put yourself in a place where there are lots of people. Are you with me? I want, and this is what the Lord said to me. Imagine those people are like apples on a tree. When you share, I'll shake. You share, I'll shake. And I seen evangelism in a whole new light. Because up until that point, I thought it was all about me. How good can I get? How many books can I read? Uh, my, my level of rhetoric. My level, how many apologetic books I've read. I, I found that all the pressure was stopping at my door. Until this moment where the Holy Spirit revealed this phrase to me. We share and he shakes. We share and he shakes. You see, evangelism is partnership. The Great Commission was not called the Great Mission. It was called the Great Co-Mission. And there's a reason because the Holy Spirit is inviting every single blood-bought believer to partner in a relationship with him. You could call it the Great Invitation because that's what it is. And every day, he extends this invitation to every single believer. He says, hey, you want to partner with me, and together, we'll go and reach the lost. Isn't that incredible? That God would want to partner with us. And some of you guys are thinking, yeah, but not me. I'm not really that kind of person. I'm kind of more introvert. You know, I, I, was, I went through a difficult childhood. I was bullied at school. Whatever the reason may be, you may think, I'm not the person. Let me tell you this. I'm an ex-cocaine addict, alcoholic, made a lot of mistakes, ended up in the gutter, broken every relationship that I had. I hurt a lot of people. I caused misery and pain. What makes us a likely candidate? I'll tell you what makes you likely and what makes you worthy is Jesus' blood upon you. So every single one of us, it's the same blood that forgave my sins, that forgave yours. And what Jesus does when he brings us into his family, he says, okay, now I don't just want to have you in relationship with me. I I want us to do something together. I want us to be on a mission together. 
It's called, it's a partnership, you know. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit uh, and the Father and the Son, it's a relationship, isn't it? The Trinity are, are in relationship and God loves to bring us into this relationship because that's the most personal, beautiful, holy thing that, that he has and he wants to bring us, you know, the family with the body of Christ. I can come here, you know, you guys don't know me and I don't know you. I come from a place 3,640 miles away. I know that just because I was chatting with my wife and, and we kind of worked it out. How far away are we from each other? I've been gone almost three weeks and we're kind of getting to the point where we're like, oh, I'm missing you. So my kids have this chart and they count down the sleeps, how many sleeps are left. We've got four sleeps left. We're excited. <laughs> so that's how many miles away I am. And I come here and we don't know each other, but straight away I feel like I'm with family. I get to travel and go to different churches and it's incredible. Because I just feel such a connection with the people that I meet. You know, people introduce themselves to me. And there's this bond immediately. Because we're part of the same body. And I love that, man. I love that about the church. That I can go anywhere in the world and I've got brothers and sisters. And, and I can have a connection with them that is deeper than friends that I've had for years who don't know Jesus. That's special. So the Lord, he invites us in and he says, don't just be part of the family, but be part of the family business. And the family business is saving souls. So what he does, he invites you, he says, come on, do you want to partner with me? And I call it apple tree evangelism. So we have an image, there's an image of an apple tree, you see that there, an apple orchard. So I believe evangelism is literally just walking through the apple orchard and you're looking for the ripe fruits. You're looking for the apples that are ready to fall. Because everybody is an apple. You were once an apple until somebody caught you. If you can rem remember that moment when you came to Jesus, you were an apple on the tree and somebody caught you. What happens to apples that are ready to fall but nobody catches them? They rot, they, they die, they decay. They fall, from the they fall from the tree onto the ground and they rot, they decay and they die. Or what happens to an apple if it's ready to fall but, it, but we don't catch it? What, what's going to happen? It's going to fall into the wrong hands. So you see some person and they're in some weird cult and they're like, you know, giving all the money, like thinking like Tom Cruise or someone in Scientology and they're just, you know, just pumping him for like millions and he's like, they're making, you know, a mockery of him. He's losing his, his marriages. He's losing his families. It's, it's stripping him of everything that is good in his life. Why? Because he was an apple that was ready to fall. But the hands of Jesus' people weren't there. So some weird cult or sect comes along and catches that apple. Every day there are apples that are waiting to, uh, waiting to be caught. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's harvest time. And Jesus wants us as his people to get outside into the apple orchards. And they're everywhere. Because it's not difficult to find a person who doesn't know Jesus. Would you agree? You go to the, the school gates, you go to the shopping mall, you go to the grocery store, you go to the gym, wherever you may frequent. Everywhere you go, there are people who don't know the Lord. And I want you guys to picture those people like apples on a tree. All you've got to do is start sharing. You haven't got to convince them. You haven't got to read books about apologetics. All we're saying and it, it, for this is to just share about Jesus. I'm going to tell you what to share in a minute. But you share and then you watch what he does. That's it. If they're not interested, that's cool. You just walk away. God bless, God bless you. Have a great day. Because we're not in control of it. The Holy Spirit is. So apple tree evangelism. If you think I'm wacky, it's some kind of, you know, 
you've been getting too many, you've been traveling too much, man, your head's kind of a bit spaced out. I'm going to give you some biblical reference for it, so you know that I'm not a little bit wacky. Would that be good? Okay. And it keeps everything legal when we open the Bible as well, huh? That's a good idea. Okay. Deuteronomy 32.10 says we are the apple of his eye. Zechariah 2 verse 8 says we are the apple of his eye. Psalm 17 verse 8 says we are the apple of his eye. Do you know what the apple of his eye means? It means you're his favorite. Turn to somebody next to you, look them in the eye and say, you're God's favorite. And then what I want you to do when you go home, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say, I'm God's favorite. Because if you want to know what his favorite looks like, you just got to look in the mirror. Because we are all the apple of his eye, but it doesn't stop in this room. It, it carries on out there. Everyone with a pulse, everyone that he's ever created, the apple of his eye. And they're just waiting to meet him. So we just got to begin to share and he's going to shake. It's a wonderful thing. I love it. The Great Commission. I'm going to show you an image. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus gave the Great Commission. What was the Great Commission? And if you don't know, you can cheat and read. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, go and make disciples of all nations. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. What's the first two letters of gospel? What's the first two letters of good? What's the first two letters of God? So I want to tell you that everything about Christianity says go. But a lot of the time we're standing around and we're like, well, man, I don't feel I'm the person for that. You know, maybe if the Lord gives me the liver shiver, maybe if he gives me a sign, then I'm going to move. Maybe if I feel something, maybe if I get a word, you know, the finger down from the sky, it's you. You know, maybe then I'll think about it. But actually, Jesus has given us the word. Everywhere we look, it's go, go, go. If heaven had traffic lights, there'd only be one color. There is no stopping. We always advance. We always move, okay? Everybody, all the time. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission, will you partner with them? And it gets even easier because you don't have to do it alone. So this is how it works. The Holy Spirit showed me this. Are you guys familiar with a tandem bicycle? If you're not, we're going to bring a, an image up of one now. This is, this is not me. <laughs> That's not me with hair. Just in case you're wondering. But on a tandem bicycle, this is how it works, okay? True story. The person at the front is called the captain. The captain's job is to hold the bicycle upright. While the person at the back, the stoker... Their job is to pedal. Only if the stoker pedals will the bicycle move. That's how a tandem bicycle works. And the Holy Spirit showed me that that's evangelism. He said, Scott, I'm the captain. And every day I'm looking around the world and I'm looking at my church and I'm saying, hey, who's going to start pedaling? Who's going to start moving? You think that's way too easy. That's it, I promise you. It's that easy. How do you pedal in Cincinnati? Is it the same as Ireland? Because where I come from, pedaling is not some deep, intricate uh, thing. You just kind of like, you move your left leg and your right leg and your left leg and your right leg. Yeah, is that the same? Okay. Maybe you don't look as silly as me in these trousers, but it's still the same principle. <laughs> hey, I knew what you were thinking. <laughs> I just thought I'd get it out there before you do. So all you have to do is pedal left leg, right leg, left leg, right leg. And I'm going to make it even easier for you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you have B.O. You have B.O. 
Don't be worried about offending them. Just blame me. I told you to say it. It's not your fault. Now, I believe everybody on the planet, every believer on the planet has B.O. Now, some have it more than others, granted. Some of you are thinking, I'm busted right now. It's only 12 o'clock. It shouldn't be this bad at this time. Let me tell you what B.O. is. Not the smelly stuff. B.O. is boldness and obedience. You see, when you got born again, God put something inside of you. Come on. That's okay. You're allowed to clap. When you got born again, the Lord put something inside of you. Because you say, look, I'm, I'm just not good around people. I'm an introvert. He said, well, that doesn't disqualify you. Because I'm going to put something in every, inside of every one of my believers. It's a boldness and it's an obedience that's going to be in their DNA. Because when you got born again, you became a new creation. So that means nothing can hinder you anymore. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you haven't been through, no matter what they said or they didn't say, no matter what's gone on in your life up until this point, nothing hinders you. When you got born again, you received a new DNA and that is good news because it means that everybody gets to play. Everybody across the board. Nobody's left out. Nobody's golf clapping from the sidelines. Oh yeah, he looks like he's having a lot of fun. Everybody gets to be involved. That's the gospel. But somehow, uh, along the way, what we've done is we've created this bar that says, if you're, only if you move in prophetic healing can you play. Now, I love prophetic healing. I'm all for it. But not if it means that we miss, uh, we miss out on a large percentage of the church not getting involved. So what we need to do is we need to lower the bar and we need to say, hey, remember, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Everything else is sowing sharing the gospel and leading people to Jesus is what we call reaping. So what we've done is we've sidelined, we've put people on the sidelines, a lot of believers. Maybe you're here this morning yourself and you're like, well, man, I, I, you look at some of these people on telly and you think, well, they're incredible, I applaud them, but I couldn't do it. Because I couldn't walk up to a stranger and say, okay, I, think, I feel you have something wrong with you, I want to pray for you. Uh, you know, prophetic healing. You think, that's, that's too difficult for me. So you just think, I'm going to step back, I'm just not going to do anything. Now, what I want to do and what I believe the Lord wants to do, he wants to look around the, the, the global church and he wants to say, I want to release a bar that is the gospel. And I want to give the gospel to every single man, woman and child and say, come on, read it. Just release the gospel. That's the power. Because everything else is sowing. Everything else is just revealing the majesty of God and the presence of God so that people will believe enough to say, okay, man, I, I believe that. But then what do we do after? Are you with me? You understand where I'm coming from? Please don't hear me wrong. I'm not coming against prophetic healing. I'm all for it. All I'm saying is we need an all-inclusive gospel that every man, woman, and child can be part of. Because somewhere along the way, we've, we've alienated a large percentage of believers. 90% of Christians around the world have never led anybody to Jesus. That means 10% of, pe- of the people are doing all the work. And not even that. It means, not, it means that 90% of people are missing out on the greatest adventure that is known to believers. And that makes me sad. So I believe somewhere along the way we've created this standard that says only here or nothing. And I believe the gospel is the power of God to salvation. So what we're trying to do is release 
the gospel. We're trying to give it to people and say, look, the gospel's enough. But if I go on a bike ride with my friend, with my wife, with whoever, if I meet, okay, let's say, what's your name, sir? Dan. Let's say me and Dan. Let's say I say to Dan, Dan, listen, I'm going to get my Lycra shorts on, okay? And I'm going to hire a tandem bicycle. Me and you are going to go for four hours and we're going to cycle around Cincinnati together. By the end of the four hours, do you think me and Dan would be pretty close? I think we're going to know each other because we just spent four hours on a bicycle in close proximity riding around. We're going to know each other quite well. So if you go with the Holy Spirit, who's your captain, and you start cycling around with him, you're going to get to know him. And you see, a byproduct of relationship with the Holy Spirit is prophetic and healing. They're two of the things that are just going to naturally come about as being in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I moved in the prophetic uh, 5% my first year on the streets. After the se- and the second year, went to 95%. Why did I start swallowing special pills? No, let me tell you why. Because I went for a bike ride with my partner. Every single day, we stood on the street, hanging out with the Holy Spirit. And I got to know his voice. So what I'm saying is you don't need anything to begin but the gospel. And after that, everything else will come. Does that make sense? He's inviting you. Your left leg is boldness and your right leg is obedience. All you have to do is this. Pedal. Boldness, obedience. Boldness, obedience. Now, if you've ever ridden a bicycle, even if it's in a high gear, it doesn't take long before you find a little momentum, yeah? And you realize that actually, man, I don't even feel like I'm riding the bicycle anymore. You kind of get, gather some momentum. The wind's blowing in your face. The, the kind of like you're feeling free. You're enjoying the scenery. looks nice around you. And after a little time of, of riding, you kind of forget that you're on a bike and you're just enjoying the ride. That's the same with evangelism. It's the same with sharing the gospel. It's meant to be pleasurable. It's not meant to be this thing that we just fear and we're like, I, I don't want to do it. It's not for me. It's something we should embrace. And it's so easy. All you have to do is move boldness, obedience. And the Holy Spirit, he's gone right before you and he's paving your way. He's your navigator, he's your pilot, your captain. He's gone before you. Isn't that amazing? It's so easy. I want to show you, uh, I want to show you how, I want to explain how it's easy. I want to tell you the reason that sometimes you walk in a room and people look at you and they double take. I'm, I'm going to shatter some illusions right now. You're thinking it's because I'm, I'm just drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> You're thinking because, you know, I've I just been to the salon and got my hair done. Or I'm going to tell you why people, people look at you sometimes twice. Because they haven't seen anything like you before. There's something about you that is different. People like being around you, that they, they feel different when they're around you. You see, Jesus was the light of the world. And he said, as his followers, you are now the light of the world. Yeah? You believe that? That's what he said, you're the light of the world. So I want to read a story to you, uh, explain a story to you in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. We have a story of a little man who climbed a tree. Anybody know his name? Shout out to me some of the things that you remember about Zacchaeus. Some of the main points. Shout them out. Short, 
tax collector, thief, up a tree. Good, well done. Okay, does anyone remember the Sunday school song that, that we used to sing about Zacchaeus? Yeah, who would like to sing it for me? Uh, you regret putting your hand up now, don't you? Now, Zacchaeus was a nice kind of fluffy story. You know, it's nice and kind of jolly. And it's this little kind of childhood thing about the man who climbed the tree. And it's all very nice. But let me tell you this. There is something profound about the story of Zacchaeus. And I'm going to explain it to you. Do you know, Jesus concluding his public ministry in Judea and Galilee, Zacchaeus was the last. He saved this man up the tree to the end. And I'm going to explain to you why. You see, when Jesus walked into Jericho, this filthy sinner, tax collector, extorting Jewish people, making money off of the people, uh, people's misery. He wasn't a nice guy, filthy sinner, didn't look like he was looking for God on the outside. What did he do? He climbed the tree. And we think, oh yeah, he climbed the tree, you know, he's kind of just, he wanted to have a little look and it's nice and innocent. Let me tell you, it's more than that. Have you ever been compelled to be close to somebody? Have you ever felt something inside of you so strong that you have to be close to that person? I'm going to tell you a story about what happened to me. I went to Bible college. I walked in the doors on my first day. And as I was walking around, this, this pretty Northern Irish girl, she gave me a welcome pack. I'm like, who is she? She is like the girl of my dreams. I'm not kidding. I'm like, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. So I'm, I'm looking at her and, and you know, trying not to let her know that I'm staring at her. But I'm like, she's gorgeous, man. And she loves Jesus. I'm like, this is it. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to me. says, that's your wife. That's your wife. That's what the Lord says to me. I'm like, please tell me this is you, Lord. <laughs> I'm like, this is a really good day for me right now. So I'm thinking, come on. Not only is she the girl of my dreams, but the Lord has told me that that's my wife. I'm like, this is a really, really good day. So what I began to do was I began to kind of like, uh, almost like stalk her. So I'd find out that she's going to be in this class at this time. And what do you know? I just happened to be uh, in the class. Hey, I happen to be where she is exactly. You know, this kind of thing. I begin to stalk her. Because I wanted to be close to this girl. I wanted her to like me the way I liked her. So do you know what I did? I took it to a new level. I took my stalker heights to a new level. This is what happened. In, the, in university, in colleges, they take a photograph of all the students and they put it in the reception area and you can go and look at it and you can say, hey, I, I like that picture, I'll buy it as a souvenir and send it to my family. So one day, I'm in the reception area and I go and I see the photograph of the, all the students and I'm thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to do. So I look around and I make sure nobody's looking. And I go over and I find the, image, the, the photograph of like 200 students and I pick her out, make sure nobody's looking, and I say, you will be mine. You will be mine. And then I walk off. True story. Do you know why? I was compelled. I just had to be with this woman. I didn't care what it took. She wasn't as compelled in the first three weeks, but she got there a little later. She had a, a delayed, compelled feeling. But she got, it, she got it in the end. She's compelled now, I can assure you. 
So I had to be with this woman. I didn't care what it took. When Zacchaeus saw Jesus walking down that street, let me tell you what happened. It wasn't that he had a five-minute lunch break. It wasn't that he was an avid tree climber. It wasn't that he's like, yeah, well, everybody else is looking. He was compelled. He's like, I don't care what I'm going to do, where I've got to go, but I need to see right now what, what, what is it about this Jesus. There's something about this man that I'm going to see it. You say, I'm going to tell you why. Let me show you the next slide. The Holy Spirit showed me a picture of a school of fish. You guys ever seen a school of fish? That's it right there. And what fish do is they swim in the deep, dark ocean. These big packs of fish, they just go round and round and round. And the Holy Spirit showed me this pack of fish just going round and round. And I'm thinking, why why am I looking at fish going round and round? And then suddenly, this spotlight, this huge spotlight came on the fish. And all the fish instantaneously stopped and turned to look at the light. Instantly. And the Holy Spirit said, it's because they'd never seen anything like it before. They'd never seen anything like it before. You see, they were going round and round in the deep, dark ocean every single day, the same thing, until suddenly the spotlight comes on and they're like, I've never seen it. I just have to look at it. That's what happened with Jesus. When he walked down the streets of Jericho, Zacchaeus was going round and round and round, living the deep, dark waters of life. The same things every day. You see, it doesn't matter if you're sat in an alleyway with a needle in your arm, or whether you're sat in a sports car with a supermodel on your arm, or anything in between. You're an apple, and until you get caught, there's something missing. You can, be, you can be doing incredible or you can be in a really bad way or anything in between. If you don't come into the light, you're in darkness. You guys, you guys uh, uh, know, but obviously you're familiar with basketball. It's a big deal over here, yeah? I'm going to tell you my basketball story. <laughs> Is that cool? How long have we got? Okay. I'll be quick. All right, so my basketball story. This is what happened. I've never seen a basketball game in my life. I go to Portland, and I'm in Portland for a little while, and there's a guy who's a pastor who I speak at his church. He says, I'm the chaplain of Portland Trailblazers basketball team. I'm like, cool, what's that? He says, you know, like a basketball team. I'm like, man, I've never seen basketball in my life. So he says, well, don't worry about the basketball, but would you come and share Jesus with all the players? And I'm like, man, I'll share Jesus with anybody. So he's like, great, let's do it. So we go to the basketball court for the game, and I'm like, man, this thing's huge. It's like a big stadium, uh, and it's like a real big deal, you know? And I'm thinking, I didn't know it was like this. So we go into the basketball court, and before the, the match starts, the guy, my friend, he showed me around. He's like, you know, this is the court. This is the ball. I'm like, look, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> so he's kind of showing me, you know, I, I'm like, I've never seen a game, but I know it's a ball. So he showed me the whole thing, how it works. And as, we just, as we're milling around, and there's a few players like pre-match warm-up and stuff, we're just walking around, and this guy, he's on the bench on the basketball court. He says, hey, hey you. I'm like, is he, t- is he talking to us? He's like, come over here. That's my American accent. He's like, come over here. I'm like, you talking to me? He's like, yeah, you, man, come on. So my friend says, well, you can only go on the, ba- on the basketball court if the players invite you. I'm like, okay. So we walk onto the court, and this guy's like transfixed. He's like, your jacket, well, where did you get your jacket? Like, like well, I want to know, have you got a website? Where'd you get it from? He's just totally fixated on it. And I realized it wasn't the jacket. I gave him the website, and I said, hey, man, I've got something to ask you. He says, yeah, what is it? 
I said, you ever seen that picture before? And do you ever pray? He says, well, man, I haven't seen the picture, but I pray sometimes. I went through the nine steps that the Holy Spirit gave me to share the gospel. Get to the part, what we call the Zacchaeus moment. If Jesus were here right now, would you let him in? You see, when Jesus stopped Zacchaeus, he didn't say, Zacchaeus, I'm going to take you to the Cafe de Jericho. And what we're going to do, we're going to do a 12-week course. We're going to expand the, the, the scriptures. And we're going to make sure this is a decision that you really want to take. Because I don't want you to get caught up in hype. Now, Jesus could have done that. And that would have been biblical. It's called sowing. But you don't sow when it's reaping time. So what Jesus did, Jesus said nine words. Hurry today, I must come and eat with you. And just like the apple, he came down this tree. Simple as that. Do you know why? Because Jesus went straight for the heart. You see, what Jesus was saying is, is what we say today in Revelation 3 verse 20. He stands at the door and knocks. Anyone who, who opens, he'll come and eat with you. Jesus said, hurry today, I must come and eat with you. The same thing Jesus said over 2,000 years ago. And this is what it means. I want your heart. Because in Jewish culture, you open your home, you open your heart. He wasn't tricking him, hoodwinking him, duping him. Zacchaeus knew exactly what was being demanded of him in nine words. I want your heart. If Jesus can say it in nine words and he lives inside of us, can we not say it in nine points? I believe we can. That's the power of God. So I begin to share with my new friend. I'm like, man, this is a key moment. If he was here right now, would you let him in? And this guy says, yeah, I would let him in. So I stand up on the court because I'm getting excited. And I get excited if it's a basketball player or if it's a guy in a shopping mall. It's the same principle for me. They're an apple. And I just want to see him get caught. So I'm getting excited and I stand on the basketball court now and I'm kind of saying, look man, if you're going this way without Jesus, you've got to change direction, turn around and follow him. And as I'm demonstrating this, I notice there's somebody like a, a presenter talking to a, a TV camera and they're kind of like uh, looking and backing up like this. Uh, and there's a bit, a little more activity around here. And I'm just trying to like stay focused on the gospel because I get passionate, you know. But I'm noticing people are kind of edging towards me. And I'm thinking, that's weird. But hey, this is America. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> so I carry on sharing. I carry on speaking. And the guy gives it. Uh, I pray for him to feel the Holy Spirit. He feels the Holy Spirit. And he's like, whoa. I said, do you want to follow Jesus? He says, yeah. So I pray for him. And we hug. And I walk off. As I'm walking off with the chaplain, he's like, he's like about to burst. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, what's what's my? He says, he's the superstar player. He's the superstar player, and he's just like so excited that the superstar player had given his heart to Jesus. Now, for me, I'm going to follow that guy up because anybody I meet, I follow them up immediately. We're not giving out tickets to heaven, we're making disciples. How can you make a disciple with someone you never see again? So I sent him, I found him on Instagram, and, and I went on and he's got like four million followers. I'm like, basketball's huge over here. It's crazy. And then my friend tells me he has a, a trainers with his name written on them. And I guess he didn't mean he wrote them himself in pen. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking this guy's a big deal. So I message him. I say, listen, man, I just want to let you know, you know, uh, it was great to share the gospel, to pray for you, to open your heart to Jesus. I would like to uh, follow you up. I'd like to send you a message to, to follow up. I'd like to meet you, da, 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 da. He gets straight back within two minutes. He says, thank you, Scott, for praying for me. Thank you for what you spoke over me. That's the power of the gospel. But you know what? It wasn't the jacket. It wasn't the jacket. I'm the light of the world. 
You see, when I walk in a basketball court, you've got millions of dollars, you've got trainers with your name on, you're sponsored by Adidas, you've got all these millions of dollars, but you're going round and round and round. The same things every day. There's only so many sports cars you can drive, there's only so many pairs of shoes you can wear, you've only got two feet. You can keep going round and round and round, same things every day, and suddenly, the spotlight comes on, and this basketball guy's like, whoa, whoa, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never seen anything like that before. I've got to get close to it. That's what happens when you walk in a room, if you own it. You see, the harvest is so plentiful that Jesus, when he can trust you, he'll bring people to you. You won't even have to go to them. That's the power of the gospel. In John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus said to his disciples, do you not say, four months and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, open your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. You see, many of us have a sower's mentality. And we need to bury our sower's mentality and pick up a reaper's mentality. Because what we're doing is we're just sowing and sowing and sowing our socks off. And then we get fed up and frustrated. If you were a farmer, I live in Northern Ireland, lots of farmers. If, if there was a farmer that kept sowing and sowing and sowing... Would he say, oh, I, I just love sowing. And then he looks at another farmer who's reaping and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, God bless him, but I'm just really happy sowing. And he keeps sowing. No, he's going to be frustrated. He's going to be like, when is it reaping season? I'm doing all this work. I'm plowing the ground. I'm working hard, but I'm seeing no fruit. He needs to lift his head and he needs to start looking through a different lens. You see, when we share the gospel, when we pray for the sick, if it stops there, it's, it's only half, it's only half a, an effort. It, it's sowing, that's all you're doing, you're only sowing. But we sow in order to reap. So what Jesus is saying is you've got four months, that's the way you do it. You think it takes four months, we sow, we sow, and then we reap. But he's saying this, he's saying if you do something, you can have a harvest right now. But you've got to do something. Let me tell you what you've got to do. You've got to lift these eyes. You've got to stop looking through your earthly lens and you've got to start looking through heaven's lens. You see, because when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he could have said, okay, you know, he's a filthy sinner, doesn't look like he's looking for God. Why did Jesus bypass hundreds? Why did he bypass the crowds? Wherever Jesus went, there were crowds. Why did he bypass all those crowds, walk straight through the streets of Jericho, ignored every other apple and went straight to the one up the tree? The most unlikely, filthiest sinner. Why? Let me tell you why, because he's looking through heaven's lens. And when you look through heaven's lens, you can tune in to the Holy Spirit. And even if somebody is the most unreached person, even if somebody looks like they're, just, they, they're so against God, it makes no difference because you, you tune in with the Holy Spirit and you go and you share and watch his power at work. You see, Jesus shared and the Spirit shook and the apple came down the tree. And that's what he's asking us to do today. Will you believe him? Don't wait four months. Don't wait four weeks. Don't wait four days. There is a harvest right now. Wilson prayed for a guy at the beginning of the service. It's harvest time right now. But you know what? People are just wanting to be asked. And what we've done is we've, we've built this kind of culture where we try and earn enough equity with somebody in order to answer the, ask them a question. So we take them out for meals. We, we kind of buy them books. Uh, we, we kind of become their friend. We're all with this agenda of when the time's right, I'm going to strike. I'll ask them a question. Do you know what I've found? People just want to be asked. They just want to be asked. I'm going to share 
This, do I have time to share Neil's story? Yeah, okay, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this first with, with you guys and I'm gonna share a story of a man whose family was changed through this. So we have a, Jesus at the door is framed around nine points and a picture, okay? Here's the picture. It was illustrated by an artist who did it for me, who kindly agreed to do it for me. And I, I feel he's really captured something in a contemporary fashion of Revelation 3 verse 20. You guys may be familiar with the light of the world, Holman Hunt, with that more old-fashioned image. What we've done is created a more contemporary image. But the Lord has really anointed this image. It's being used in many different nations, and many people are bearing fruit with it. And we've seen people come to tears and come to repentance from just looking at this image. So what we do is we break it, the gospel. If you have the app, if you did download the app, it's a good time now if you can bring it out and you can actually follow through with me. If you go to the, the JAD card on the top right and you can actually follow what I'm doing. If not, don't worry. And Wilson is going to get some of these cards printed and we're going to make sure that every one of you guys, if you're interested, you can have one, okay? And this is something you can do every day as you're just going about your business. You don't have to stand on the street. Everywhere there's apples, yeah? People say, can I do it on my family? I'm like, are they an apple? You can do it on anybody. Anybody with a pulse or without, revive them and then lead them to Jesus. <laughs> Nobody's out at your reach. So it's, it's broken into three sections. The first three, the blue zone, pertains to the picture. All about the picture. Three points. Then we go into the red zone, all about sin. Three examples about sin. And then the yellow zone is all about repentance. Three sections, okay? So I'm just going to fly through it real quick with you guys. And then, again, as I say, in future, you'll be able to look at it more in depth. So we stop an individual. We say, excuse me, can I ask you a quick question? If they say, no, go away. You're wearing city trousers. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Do I say, well, hang on, hang on. Let's talk more. When you're partnering with the Holy Spirit, it becomes a different a different mentality. You see, a sower's mentality is, is kind of you're doing it by yourself and you're, you're trying to make something happen. You may be, you know, verbally kind of having this rhetoric match. You're kind of verbally wrestling to the ground. You're having this dialogue. But in a reaper's mentality, the Holy Spirit's my captain and I'm not going anywhere that he's not going. So if I say, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And they say, no, no problem. I'm, I'm moving on. Because if they were being drawn, John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, no one's coming to me unless the Father draws them. If that person's being drawn, if that's my apple, man, he's going to stop for me. I'm totally confident with that, 100%. Because I know that my captain's gone before me. So, that, so if I stop 20 people, which I did once in my town, I saw thousands come to Jesus in my town. One day, I stopped Thursday afternoon, 20 people, excuse me, no, excuse me, no. 20 people, I stopped and I'm like, what's going on, what's happening? And then you know what I did? I prayed, I said, Lord, I thank you. You've just saved me from 20 conversations that aren't going anywhere, and you're saving me from my apple. And soon after, I began to catch my apples. You see, we don't own the apples. People say, what, what about rejection? How, how do you feel if they reject you? I'm like, they're not my apples, man. I don't own the apples. It's not on me. I'm not the Lord of the harvest. I'm a worker. Excuse me, can I ask you a question? Yeah, okay, what is it? Have you ever seen this picture before, and do you ever pray? Well, yeah, I kind of recognize the picture. 
Yeah, or, or no, I haven't seen the picture. But I sometimes pray. Okay, well, praying's, you know, sorry, this is Jesus. You explain what the image is. This is Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. You just let him know what it is. The handle's on the inside, only you can let him in. Lots of people pray. Praying's like talking through the door, though. You, you know, you know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. Think about it. How many people pray in times of need, but they don't know Jesus like we know them? What like we know him? We're trying to differentiate and cut down the middle of relationship and religion. Okay, that's the blue zone done. Onto the red zone. Visualize wearing a backpack. If we filled it with all your sins, would it be heavy? If they say, oh, no, no, my bag would be totally empty. Not a thing in my bag. I'm such a good person. I've never done anything wrong. Well, then, you know, what I believe is this. In, in John chapter 16, verse 8, it says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of its sin. So if my captain's gone before me and they say, I've never sinned, they know they've sinned. But what they're saying to you is, I'm not ready. I'm just, I'm just not there. And that's okay. I'm not going to sit them down for 10 minutes and try and convince them what a filthy sinner they are. I don't need to because I've got the Holy Spirit as my captain who's gone before me. Do you see how easy it is? You're not convincing anybody. Some guy I trained said, I couldn't do evangelism, Scott, because you know, I'd need to know every answer to every possible question that might be fired at me. That's what people are thinking. Let me tell you, when you're a reaper, you don't need answers to any, answers to any questions. All you need is your captain. You share and he'll shake. Would you have anything in your bag? Well, yeah, you know, there'd be something in my bag. Like everybody, yeah, everybody would have something in the bag. That represents your debt with God. It stops you having a relationship with him, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want your religion. Another analogy. If you, imagine you owe the bank $10,000. I wrote you a check for $10,000, and you went and deposit that check in the bank. What would happen to your debt? What's going to happen? It's gone. That's not a difficult question, huh? It's gone. That's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He wrote you a check with your name on it. He signed it in his blood. And he's standing here today and asking you, will you cash it? The blue zone and the red zone, done. They're all sowing. Up until they're sowing. But then I realized when I was on the streets that I wasn't, I wasn't able to kind of bridge this chasm from sowing to reaping. This is the moment where you, you step back into your own comfort and you think, well, now I just want to massage the apple. You know, I just want to rub it a little and, and tell it nice things. You, kind of, you don't just want to catch it because you feel, well, that's a bit abrupt. So I needed a way to bridge this chasm from sowing to reaping, and the Holy Spirit gave it to me. I call it the Zacchaeus moment. If Jesus were here right now, would you let him in? And it's so natural and so in context of what you've been discussing for the past minute and a half. If they say, yeah, if he was here, I'd let him in. Then I say, can you see the wind? Well, no, you can't see it. You feel it. You put your head out of a car. How do you know the wind's real? You feel it. Jesus is here right now. Like the wind, can I pray for you to feel his presence? And then you know what you do? You let the captain do what he does beautifully, reveals Jesus. You metaphorically step out the way and you pray a 10, 15 second prayer, not a magic formula, not flowery words, whatever you want. Holy Spirit, just, just reveal Jesus. Let him feel your presence. We've all prayed before. We all know how to pray. Simple prayer. And then you ask them, how did that feel? What happened? Tell me what you were feeling. Well, yeah, man, I felt this inside. I felt that. Would you believe Jesus is here? And then the last thing, 
probably the most important thing. If you're going this way, you're going down, you're going there, let me do it exactly as it is on the card. Okay, so the last thing, turn from the road you're on without Jesus, change direction and follow him. Would you like to follow him? I've had people have said to me, I love it all apart from the last bit. So I say to them, I'm not going to pray for you because I'm not giving out a ticket to heaven. We're making disciples, but I would like you to come closer to the door and find out more. Come along to my home group. Come along to church. Let's meet for a coffee. But I'm not trying to like push them over this line just so that they can pray and say, yeah, somebody prayed. We're trying to make disciples, okay? We're only looking for the apples that are ready. If they're not, not ready, we don't want to go there. But we still try and connect and try and bring them in a little closer. And then you pray for them to open the door to Jesus. Is that quite simple? Okay, now I'm going to explain a quick story. Are you okay for five more minutes? Okay. So I'm going to share a quick story with you guys. How I saw this picture transform a family's life. I was on the streets one day of my town and and I stopped a lady, her name was Janet. I showed her this picture, I said, excuse me, can I? She was there with her daughter who's in her 20s. I said, could I just show you this image? Have you ever seen it and do you ever pray? She she looked at the picture and she began to fill with tears. She said, I'm sorry, I I can't do this today. And she began to run, run off down the street. And her daughter and me were looking at each other and it was kind of awkward. And her daughter said, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I need to go after her. So I stood there. And I had a decision to make. Do I run after them or do I respect their privacy? But compassion got a hold of me and I couldn't help myself. So I ran after this lady and I put my arms around her and I said, look, what what happened to you? Why are you so sad? She said, my daughter was murdered many years ago. And she said, when I looked at that image, I, I just felt that pain. And I said, you know, Jesus wants to heal that pain. He wants to heal that hurt inside of you. So... Her and her daughter, they accepted Jesus right there on the street. I then began to take them to my new believers group. I began to pick them up from their home and bring them to my new, new believers group. Their 18-year-old son, he also came to our group and got saved. So three members of the family came to Jesus. They were coming along for two months. They came immediately to church, every Thursday group, every Sunday church. This was going great for a couple of months. And then they told me, she told me about her husband. She says, you know, I've got, I've got this husband, Neil, and he's not really that keen on, on, on this whole thing. And I said, well, I'd love Neil to come along, you know. And, and she said, no, no, he, he, he's not. He's not going for it. I said, well, can I meet him? At least meet him. And she said, no, you, trust me, you don't want to meet him. I'm like, no, I'd like to. She's like, oh, oh, no, you don't. So I'm like, you can't be that bad a guy, surely, you know. So one Thursday night, we're going to our home group. I've got a guy in my passenger seat who's a two-week-old believer. It's only his second week at my group. And I'm giving him a ride to my new believers group. We pull up outside the house and the three family members come. Janet, the, the wife, um, Tanya and Neil, the son and daughter. They get into my car and Neil, the husband, he stands at the door frame and he begins to scream, I'm going to kill you. Who do you think you are? And he's going absolutely crazy. He's like a wild animal. And his wife had to get out the car and physically restrain him and, and force him into the house. And we were all a little shaken up, as you can imagine. And we drive off down the road And Neil texts his wife, he says, look, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened, I don't know what came over me. He says to his wife, he says, I want to invite Scott to my home, and I want to apologize to him. So I walk into his house, 
and, and I go in and, and he makes me a cup of tea and we're sitting there and, and I let him talk for a few minutes and then I think, okay, now is the time to strike. So I pulled out my phone because I have the, uh, the, the picture on my phone because I always have my phone with me so it means I can share the gospel. I'm ready to share wherever I am. So I began to share and he says, whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on. Maybe, maybe we're, maybe we're kind of on, on different, maybe we've we, we mixed signals here. I, uh, I don't want you to come into my home and start preaching at me. That's not what I'm looking for. Because football is my church. Now you see, Neil was a football hooligan. He was a soccer hooligan. He was a head of a gang of 500 men. He'd been doing it for many years since he was a boy in school. He rose through the ranks and he became head of a, of a gang. 500 guys, he would make the calls and he would arrange the fights that the teams would have. He was that guy. So that was his thing. Football was his card, football was his church. So I think, okay, this is going nowhere. I drink my tea and I say, okay, thanks, Neil. You know, could I pray for you before I go? And he's like, well, I guess you can, yeah. So I pray for him and I just say, Holy Spirit, just touch him. Let him know your presence. Let him feel your, your presence right now. And then, and then I say, okay, uh, you know, it was nice to meet you. As I'm leaving the house, I felt the Spirit nudging me to invite him to my new believers group. I'm thinking, there's no way this guy's going to come. But I'm not the shaker, so I, I shared. I said, Neil, look, man, just want to let you know, if you ever want to come along to our new believers group, you know, you'd be very welcome. I'll come, he says. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, what's that, man? He says, yeah, I'll come. For my wife, not for me, for my wife. I'm like, okay, it's on tonight. He's like, I know. So he comes along that night with his wife. In my living room that night were 19 new believers gathered around, squished in around my living room. It was like the book of Acts. What happened? What unfolded this night? So we sat there, 19 new believers. You got this guy in, in this, sat there in the living room. It's like an elephant in the room. He's kind of like, you know, he's a rough guy. He's kind of sitting there and he's just not looking too happy. Right from the beginning, he's like, I don't really believe in God. I'm only here for my wife. He makes that clear. He makes his stance clear. So we all carry on having our evening. We worship, we pray, we just do what, everybody, what, what we always do. We don't dial it down, we don't dilute it. We praise God exactly the same, no matter what. So as we're worshiping and as we're singing, we then go into a time of prayer. And as we're praying, I look uh, through the corner of my eye, I can see Neil's kind of in his chair and he's kind of doing, just doing some funny things. So as we're praying, uh, he pipes up, he says, uh, okay, what's going on? So now people are kind of like, you know, like looking at what's happening, you know. He's like, what's going on? I said, I said Neil, what, what do you mean? He said, for the past 20 minutes, my whole body's been on fire. Every time I try and fight it, it comes back stronger. What's, what's going on? I put this card into the hand of a two-week-old believer. I said, Neil, stand up. He stood up. The two-week-old believer and me and a couple of guys gathered around Neil. I'm going to show you the picture of what happened. We gathered around this man and I said to the two-week-old believer, I said, read the card. That's all you've got to do, read it. You see, it's not the power of your presentation that leads to salvation, it's the power of the gospel. I said, read the card. He reads the card and as he reads the card and says, do you want to let him in? Neil says, yes, I do, because the Spirit of God was so over him and so on him in this moment. And we pray, this guy prays, and he accepts Jesus, and his whole countenance changes, and he gets born again on the spot right there. 
Hallelujah. Totally transformed on the spot in front of everybody. It was incredible. His face went from this hard face to, to this gentle face. It was incredible. And four days later, he came to me and said, I want to learn to do what you do. Now, you see, Neil had a, a bit of a crazy past. Not only was he a football hooligan, he was part of the National Front, the English Defence League. He was a racist. You see, his brother was killed by a, a Muslim Asian uh, dr drunk driver killed his brother and ever since that he became so hate-filled uh, hate that he would see if he saw a person from a different race in a restaurant or on the street he'd spit at them or he'd punch them that's the kind of guy he was but suddenly four days in he's like I want to learn how to talk to people about Jesus and I could see that God had done something in this man that was very very profound and he began to share the gospel with people and then he began to say to me, I, I don't feel the hate anymore. I want to reach Muslims for Jesus. <laughs> and Neil, his, his thing, if he saw somebody from a different race, he's there like a shot. Because God had given him, he took, he'd taken away this, this hate and he gave him a love. This man became such a loving man. One night he walked a girl from our New Believers group home into a rough paramilitary run estate. He walked, walked this girl home. And this car full of men stopped Neil and said, what are you doing in our estate? And Neil said, I'm just dropping this girl home. And they began to beat Neil up. And you know what Neil said to me after? He said, I couldn't hit them because I don't feel that anymore. I couldn't hit them back and he was so ashamed. He was so ashamed that a guy who was so violent and such a good fighter, he just stood there just, just bowing down as these guys beat him up because he said, I don't feel that anymore. I couldn't hit them back. Isn't that the power of God? He takes a heart that's so hard and he turns it into a heart that's so soft. And Neil began to step out every single day he became my evangelism partner on the streets he worked for a year and a half voluntarily five days a week with me on the streets leading people to Jesus he began to travel with me come to different engagements different trips I did and then all of his family five members of the family Janet uh, Tanya the daughter Neil Jr the son and then Tanya's boyfriend who became a husband I married them both Mark all five of them I got to baptize all five I want to show you guys, there's a couple of shots here, if we fire through and I'll just talk you through them. So this is Neil on the streets. That's him getting baptised. If you want to know what freedom looks like, there's the picture. You know, Neil struggles with learning disabilities and he kind of... Uh, he, he, kind of, he didn't really go to school. He kind of, you know, he had a lot going on. He was diagnosed with emotional personality disorder, all these kind of things from his crazy lifestyle. He can't read very well. But, you know, when he fell in love with Jesus, he just used to dance all the time. Whenever the music comes on, it's like this trigger, and he just starts dancing. He, he's known in our church as the guy who's always in the front just dancing. He said, I can't really read the Bible, but, but I like to dance. And he's the guy, as soon as that first chord starts, there he is, dancing around, just doesn't care. Just loving Jesus, because he's free. Okay, the next one. This is when we got to meet Nicky Cruz from, I don't know if you're familiar with Run Baby Run, the Cross and the Switchblade. 
Uh, Nikki Cruz came to Belfast and, and I contacted the pastor and, uh, and Nikki Cruz graciously spent some time with us. This guy here, Neil, went to Mallorca on holiday and his wife kept telling him off because he would just keep sharing Jesus at the door with everybody. He just keeps sharing the gospel. She said, Neil, we're on holiday. You need to have some time. But he just keeps going to everybody. This guy led to the Lord. And then in Nottingham, I was speaking at a church. And this guy lived quite close by. And Neil called him. And he came to the church. And he's part of that church now. The guy that he led to Jesus on holiday. That's his wife and daughter getting baptized. And then Neil, he, he had such a thirst for evangelism. I, I paid for him to go on an evangelism school for like a 10 month school where once a week he would get the train for an hour and an hour back by himself I wanted him to see the commitment from himself and he would do that every week and he passed this course which is a valid um, bible school type course that he passed over, over a year's study he did his homework every, every week isn't that incredible and I just want to say that in your, in your community there are people who are just waiting for you to ask them. Will you step out and will you ask them a question? Excuse me, can I just show you this picture? You know, do you, have you, do you ever pray? It's not difficult. Would you be willing to say to the Holy Spirit, here's my BO, boldness, obedience? Because I promise you, he's, he's your captain and he's looking around and he's saying, I don't care how you look on the outside, will you go for me? So I want to pray. And as we pray, I want, to, I want you to just get real with God and say, look, I know, man, I know I haven't been sharing. I know I've got friends, I've got neighbors, I've got people that I see every day and I kind of just ignore them. I want, you to, I want the Lord to just highlight to you those people and just to say, hey, would you start, would you start peddling? Would you start moving your left leg and your right leg? And would you come on an adventure with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for the gospel, that it is the power of God unto salvation. And I ask you, Lord, that in this room that you would raise up some brave men and women. Some brave men and women who would begin to apply their B.O. and G.O. And they would begin to see the adventure. In Ephesians 4, it talks about good works prepared in advance. I want to tell you that the Lord has prepared good works in advance. And he has hidden some treasures for you guys. So Lord, I ask you that you would activate some individuals in this room right now. And I want to pray for anybody in this room, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you could be on this side of the spectrum where you're sat with a needle in your arm. Or you could be on this side where you're in the sports car with a supermodel. You can be, you can be in a bad way or you can be in a great way. But let me, let's not kid around here. If you don't know Jesus, you're still in darkness. And he wants to say to you today, would you come out of that darkness? Wherever, whatever end of the spectrum or anything in between, do you want to come outside of that darkness? I want to set you free. I want to make you the light of the world. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't given your whole 100% heart to him and you want to say, here I am, then I want to ask you to raise your hand to heaven right now. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here's my life. Take it. God bless you, sir. Here I am. Take it all. Here's my life. I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want it to be real. I want to stop playing around. Okay, I pray through the door. Okay, I talk to you every now and again, but I don't know you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We praise you. We praise you. 
Anybody else? Want to ask you, raise your hand to heaven. This is not a moment to be embarrassed about. This is a moment to celebrate. And we want to celebrate. Okay, I see three hands. I want to ask you guys who raised your hand to stand to your feet. I'll tell you why. Don't be ashamed. If you can't stand to your feet in the church building with everybody who loves you, then you're going to struggle to do it out there. Don't be ashamed. Everybody in this place is celebrating and with you and loves you. Okay? So we want to pray with you to, to make it real with Jesus. So I want everybody to join our friends and we're going to pray and you're going to give Jesus permission to come on in, okay? Because he's a gentleman. He won't come in if he's not invited. And this is your way of inviting him in. So let's all say with these, with these guys, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I say sorry for all of my sin. I choose to follow you and make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I want to live for you. Amen. God bless you. Let's give these guys a round of applause.